Well, good morning, Coastal. How you guys doing this morning? Come on, 915. You guys can do better than that. Come on, let's give it up this morning. Well, welcome to Coastal. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you are here with us. We're in this series called This Is How We Roll, and this is all about our values of some of the things that are really, really important to us. But before we kind of dive into that, let me just say uh, next week we're starting a brand new series called Family Flings and Relationship Things. Uh, it's going to be incredible. We have some crazy things planned for that series. I can't wait. I love to talk about relationships. It's my absolutely most favorite topic of, of any topic to talk about. And so uh, there's some invite cards in your worship, guys. Go invite some family. Go invite some people that, that not that you want to have a fling with, but maybe some people that you know uh, and, and some people you're in relationship with. That could be friends. That could be family. That could be coworker. But it is going to be a, a great, great week. And also, in case you weren't here last week, uh, every year we have a weekend where we typically do like Coastal Swag Weekend where we just give out stuff, where we give out shirts and all kinds of stuff. And typically we don't ever tell you when that is, but this year we're doing a little bit different. So next weekend, next Sunday, is Coastal Swag Weekend. So you're going to be able to get some shirts like this and we have some different colors for free. So make sure you're here because listen, if you're not here, you don't get one. That's how it works here. You either arrive or you don't. And so we're, we believe in you got to be here to get stuff, and it's going to be incredible. So make sure you're here next weekend. Today we're finishing up this series called This Is How We Roll. And this series has really been about what are the things that we truly value here at our church? What are some of the things that are really, really important to us? Because the values that we have in our life determine the decisions that we make. And the decisions that we're making are determining the direction, which is ultimately going to lead us to a destination. And so if we want to know where we're going to go in life, a lot of that is going to be determined by what are the very things that we value. And so as a church, we're always going somewhere. We have uh, some place to be. And so we've talked about this all throughout this series, that our mission here at Coastal Community Church is we want to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience so they can know and so they can follow Jesus. That's what we've always been about. It's just the culture and the DNA of our churches, man. It's always been about how do we help people experience, know, and follow Jesus. In the last two weeks, we talked about knowing Jesus and we talked about um, following Jesus. And this week, we're really going to focus in on that whole experience. And it's all about that moment where God absolutely changes your life, where we create these environments and these experiences so people can have Life change. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm one of those guys in life that I'm a prolific loser of things. Anybody else just like, you lose stuff all the time. Anybody else like that? Like, it doesn't matter what it is. Give me something within 10 minutes. I'll have it lost. No problem. Like, without even trying, I'm just an expert at it. And this week, I lost my cell phone. And I don't know if you've ever lost your cell phone, but it creates like a panic attack in your life. Because when you lose your cell phone, the first thing you go is like, I need to call my phone. The problem is that you don't have a phone. And like I was freaking out and I'm like, what, where's my phone? And you know, the first thing I do is I check my pockets because usually it's in one of my pockets when I've lost it. And this time it wasn't in my pocket. And so I started freaking out. I started scurrying through my Prius. And like, man, Priuses have a lot of hiding spots. That's what I've learned over time and couldn't find it in my Prius. And so I'm backtracking. I'm like, how many coffee shops have I been at today? And like, which one did I leave it at? And so I start driving back. 
And I'm, I'm like walking into Starbucks. I'm walking into the brew downtown. I'm walking into this, the seat in Boca. I like hit up a lot of coffee that day. I was kind of wired. And so I'm like, they probably thought, this dude is crazy. He's just on crack. He doesn't really even have a phone. But I'm freaking out because this is what I know. The more valuable the thing is, the greater the search is, isn't it? Like if that thing isn't valuable, like it wasn't like I went, you know what? I have an office phone. Who cares about my cell phone? Like nobody, nobody thinks that way. Like I was freaking out about it because the more valuable that thing is, is the greater the search intensifies. And finally, somebody, somebody called my wife and I, I, because of her, I found my phone. It was, it was a beautiful thing. But this is what I know is that if you want to really understand the heart of God, the heart of God is all about seeking out the lost thing and finding it. In fact, in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came to this earth not just so that we could have all these great things, all these blessings in our life, but more than anything, he came to look for the very things that were lost in this world. And what it tells us is, is that lost people matter to God. And because lost people matter to God, they should matter to us. And so we have a value here at Coastal Community Church that when you have been found by God, when you've experienced a relationship with a living God, I'm not talking about rules. I'm not talking about religion. What I'm talking about is when you have experienced a relationship with God and you have been found by him, it is a responsibility of every believer to be just like Jesus and to seek and to save the law. So our value is, is found people, find people. That if you've been found, it is our responsibility to go out to the highways and the byways and find other people. A couple of years ago, I uh, had an opportunity to go to Zimbabwe, Africa with some other pastors, and we were, we were going there, and we were training some, some different people there, and, and so we were doing all this ministry, and we were ending up, we were having a fun day at uh, Victoria Falls. I love, I, I was so excited about going to Victoria Falls. I love doing all the ministry stuff, but I was excited about Victoria Falls because David Livingston is a famous missionary, and he discovered uh, Victoria Falls, and there's this big monument to him, and a lot of history is there as far as the Christian world of, of him going and reaching people for Jesus. And I was just like, man, I can't wait to experience that. And while we were on our way there, like our, our bus driver gave us some brochures of things. He, and, and one of them happened to be that you could jump off the Zambezi bridge and do some Scott and do some, um, some bungee jumping. And I thought to myself, how cool would that be? Like, I love, I love extreme sports. I love anything that is like daredevilish, death on the verge of at any moment. And because my wife wasn't there, I thought this is the perfect opportunity for stupid to come out. You know, usually she talks me out of stupid, but I was by myself. So that's my opportunity to kind of dive head first. And so I'm talking with these other pastors. I'm like, this is going to be awesome, guys. We can go on this bridge and we can jump off and we're going to go down on rubber bands and we're going to come back. It's going to be incredible. I'm trying to sell everybody on this. I'm like, because if I'm going to do it, I want to bring other people that are stupid with me, you know, like because stupid always brings friends. And so I'm trying to convince everybody. Nobody's buying in. Finally, I convince a dude because I'll pay for him to come with me. And so I'm like, come on, this is going to be awesome. And, and so we go and we're in a third world country. This is not smart, just FYI. And so we're in a third world country and, and I go and they like take your measurements and I'm all excited because I'm all I'm on some solid ground, and all of a sudden, we go up to the, the second highest bungee jump in the world on this bridge, and, and it's, it's starting to get a little bit more real. 
Anybody ever had one of those experiences where it seems really great when you're not there yet, but when you get there, it's all of a sudden it's like, what in the world was I thinking in that moment? And so we get up there, and the girl that's in front of me in line, like she kind of freaks out when she gets up to the ledge because it got really real to her. And because it's a third world country, like in America, you couldn't do this, but they just shoved her off. And I was like, oh, crap. This is not going to be good. And so, like, it's my turn, and I, you know, my ankles are all bound up because I'm jumping from there. And so I kind of hop up to the edge, and I look over, and I, I turn around, and I said, if you push me, I will punch you. And so I turned around because I wanted, I wanted to take the dive myself, you know, and I wanted, to, I wanted to truly experience what it's like to be a yo-yo. That was my goal. And so I, I got up there, and, and all the talk was really cheap right now. You know, all the fun that we were expecting to be, all of a sudden, it wasn't really a lot of fun at that moment. It was a lot of fear at that moment. And so I dove off, and I, I did some, some toe touches while I was out there, and I was like, no, I didn't do anything. I just screamed at the top of my lungs like a little girl. Like, ah! You know, it was, that, was, that was great. Some people have video of it. I'm sure it's made it on YouTube somewhere. But, uh, like, man, I go and just bouncing up and down, up and down. And finally, I had to put into action all the words that have been thrown about. And at some point in our life, as Christ followers, there is a point where we have to put words and actions together. Where we have to not just say all the right things and not just know all the lingo, but truly live out all that lingo. Live out all of those values that we say we have. And I think Jesus has... Uh, some incredible examples of how he lived this out. And we're going to be looking in Mark chapter 4 and chapter 5. If you want to turn your Bibles there today, uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can look in your worship guide. If you didn't grab one of those on the way in, uh, all of the scripture will be up on the screen. There's some fill in the blanks in there if you want to follow along. But in Mark chapter 4 and chapter 5, this is one story that Mark is telling right here. You know, we, we kind of separate things out because we see, oh, 4 and 5, that's like totally different stories. But this is all one continuous story that is happening. And what's happened is, is Jesus has been out and he's been breaking off some of the most unbelievable teaching that, that the Jewish people have ever heard in their life. In fact, so many people have gathered up on this mountain that Jesus actually rose out into a boat to kind of create this amphitheater effect. And he's talking to them and it says near the end of the night, this is what happens. Um, it, it says this in Mark chapter four, verses 35 and 36. It says, that day when evening came, he said to the disciples, let's go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in their boat, and they left the other boats with him. And so Jesus is doing all this teaching. It's incredible. It's blowing people's minds, and it's getting near the end of the night. And he says, hey, listen, we're going to do something completely different here. In essence, what he's saying to everyone is, is we have to leave what's comfortable for what's possible in life. He's saying, listen, this, is, this has been great. This is a comfortable place. We've got all these people here. This has been a great experience, but this isn't all that there is to your life. It isn't just about this. We've got to move away from here. We've got to move away from this place. And, and see, he's sitting on the Sea of Galilee, and he's saying, man, we've got to go to the other side. And that's a seven-and-a-half-mile journey across the Sea of Galilee. And he's saying, man, we're going to go not only to the other side, but we're going to go a little bit further down, which is about a 21-mile boat ride. He's saying, listen. Listen, we're going to leave all of these places, and we're going to go to some places where we've never been before. We're going to go to some, some 
seasons and some areas of our life that we've never experienced at this point in our life. And it's kind of like on that bungee jump. You know, you get up to that place and you go, man, do I talk a whole lot more about God than I actually obey him? Like, because I got up there and I was talking all kinds of junk until I got up to that moment and was I going to jump? And it's awesome that we can speak all the Christianese and we can say all the right things when people ask us the questions. But the truth of the matter is, is do we actually obey and do what Jesus said? Or do we just go back to the normal, the mundane, the comfortable routines of our life rather than stepping out into what could be possible? And I understand change is a funny thing. Because in order to have to change in your life, you have to change. And none of us really, really likes change. And what happens is we let passivity creep into our Christianity. Where we just become passive in it. But here's the beautiful backwards thing about risking for God and stepping into some unknown places where you get outside of your comfortable seat. Nobody on the ground, nobody on the sidelines that just says all the things really gets to understand and experience what a true faith journey with Jesus is until they take the jump with him. Until they step out and they start acting on some of those things. Until they really start risking everything for God in every manner and possibility of their life. And what we see here is that Jesus left what was comfortable, which was the large crowns, which was the opportunity that was right before him. He ends up leaving the what would seem like the most logical thing to do and goes to the other side, and you'll see, to reach one man, to reach one person. He was willing to leave everything for one person because that is the very character and nature of God is that he is all about the one. And if one of our goals as Christ followers is to be more and more like Jesus, his, his tenacity, his tendency was to always go after the one. You can look in John chapter one. He goes after Peter. You can look in John chapter two. He goes after, he goes to the, the, the wedding in the party of Cana to show off his glory. In John chapter three, he goes and he, he reaches out to Nicodemus and John chapter 4, he goes out and he takes and helps the woman at the well. And all throughout Jesus' life, you see him leaving the crowds, leaving what would seem to be the most comfortable place in his life for a teacher to go after one. He left what was comfortable where he was the easiest place for him to always seek after one. And in Mark 4, 37, it says this, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat. And so it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up and he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? See, when you step out and you say, God, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get outside of my comfortable and do the impossible. I'm going to believe you for what could be in my life instead of just settling for what is. When we start to do that, especially when it comes to people, what happens to a lot of us is when we start thinking, man, I'm going to move in that direction where it's all about how do we reach one more person. All of a sudden, we start to see obstacles in our life. And what we forget about is that there is no obstacle that is too big for Jesus.
There is no obstacle in our life that is too big for Jesus. And the reason I think that we have this negative idea and this negative thought process of, of I'm going to tell somebody else about Jesus is because we come up with all the excuses ourselves. We say to ourselves, man, they don't want to hear anything about religion. Like, the, what happens if they reject me in that moment? Man, what, what happens if they think that I'm just one of those crazy, fanatical Jesus people that's, that's like a hippie that's not living in reality? And what we do is a total disservice for them because we disqualify the opportunity for them to hear about Jesus because we're so focused on ourselves. See, most of the reasons that come out that say, like, I can't tell somebody or I can't invite somebody or I can't allow somebody to experience what I'm experiencing is because we think, what are they going to think of me? But a better question is, is, man, what are they going to think of Jesus? And we allow these obstacles to create all this fear and anxiety in our life. And all of a sudden, we just, we just make decisions for people without ever giving them the opportunity to decide. And see, those obstacles are the frightful things we see when we take our eyes off of Jesus and put it on our insecurities. And Jesus right here, he says, man, I will go through any storm in pursuit of one person, in pursuit of one man, in pursuit of one woman. I love what it says in verse Starting in Mark 5, verse 1, it says, They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. And what you got to understand right here is that this was probably one of the biggest obstacles that Jesus would have ever faced because where he was currently at when he was teaching in Mark chapter 4 is he was in Jewish territory. See, across the, the, the Sea of Galilee was Gentile territory. It was a place where Jewish people never would have gone. That would have never even been a thought for them to cross to the other side. And what Jesus is saying is he's saying, listen, there is no barrier. There is no economic barrier. There's no racial barrier. There's no religious barrier. There's no barrier that I won't cross in life to reach one person for my name. There is nothing that I won't do. And what Jesus is saying in that statement right there and what he's saying to all of us is that, man, we're not supposed to live a play it safe kind of Christianity where we don't really proclaim, but we're to play a do whatever it takes to reach one more person kind of Christianity. And a lot of us have settled for a lot less than that. It says in verse two, and when Jesus got up and out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came up from the tombs to meet him. And this man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, and he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself. See, a lot of people, they think that this cutting thing that teenagers are doing is a new phenomenon. Man, they've been doing this for 2,000 years. You just haven't read your Bible. Craziness has been happening. This dude was crazy. And, and like this is not the kind of guy that you want your daughter bringing home at, at, for a date and saying, like, hey, this dude can't be bound. He's crazy. Other versions saying he's running around naked all day, which is like 
not the most popular thing in the world. And this guy, what he doesn't need is he doesn't need a therapist. This guy, he doesn't need Dr. Phil. This guy doesn't need government assistance. What this guy needs is he needs a miracle. He needs somebody that's willing to get beyond themselves and come to him, and that's exactly what Jesus does. And Jesus ends up healing this guy. He ends up casting out these spirits. He ends up giving him a sound mind again. And when people come and see, they're absolutely blown away that this guy who was running around breaking chains is sitting normal and has his wits about him, has his mind, is fully clothed, and they're, they're just overwhelmed. And Jesus is getting ready to leave. And in verse 18 and 19, it says this, As Jesus was getting in the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus did not let him and said, But go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Jesus tells him to go home. Now, this is a significant Thing because this is the first time in scripture up to this point that Jesus ever tells someone to go and tell other people about him. Every time he's done a miracle up to this point, every time he's healed somebody up to this point, every time he's, he's performed in some miraculous manner, he's always telling people, don't tell anybody about it. But he tells this guy, a Gentile guy, he says, listen, I want you to go home and tell every single person you know. Listen, I know you don't have any recollection of the Old Testament. You don't know anything about God's word. You don't have any foundational elements. But I'll tell you what you do have is you have a story. And your story is powerful. And what I want you to do is I want you to go tell everyone your story because they need to hear your story. And here's what you need to know, is you need to know that one person can make a huge difference. That one person can change everything. And I know this to be true, because a couple of years ago, I was at my house, my wife and I, we love to go out on date night, and one of our favorite activities is we love going to Killwinds. Any, any Killwinds ice cream fans in here? Kill, yeah, if you haven't been to Killwinds yet, you're missing out. And so I, I was talking about Killwinds with some of my friends, and, and one guy was like, man, if you like ice cream, you have got to try this ice cream. And so I brought some with me. He goes, you have got to try birthday cake ice cream. Anybody ever try some birthday cake ice cream? And, and I'm like, birthday cake ice cream? He's like, listen, do you like birthday cake? And I'm like, does Starbucks give you diarrhea? Yes, of course I do. Come on, y'all know it's true. And, and so... And so I'm like, of course I do. And he's like, man, you've got. And so he goes and he buys some birthday cake ice cream. And he comes over to my house and he says, you've got to check this out. Now, this is probably starting to melt. But uh, like I just brought some birthday cake ice cream because it is amazing. See, like inside here, you see these blue streaks. Is anybody like, like frosting on birthday cake? Like just pure sugar? Like that's just, that's just frosting inside of vanilla ice cream. And then there's chunks of birthday cake batter in there. Come on, somebody. That's like heaven on earth. And like I, I, I took a f spoonful of birthday cake ice cream and it changed my life. <laughs> changed my life. It, it was a game changer in the McCormick household. Birthday cake ice cream changed your life. Listen, one person can make a difference. I didn't know he was keeping it. And he had the, he had the audacity and the trust in God to come forward and say, listen, like I know you've heard some things. I know you've done some things, but let me show you the way. I'm bringing the spiritual. This is, this is Trinity right here. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, vanilla ice cream, uh, the, the cake batter, and the frosting. Father, Son, Holy Spirit right there. Like it's, it's biblical. 
It changed my life. It made a difference in my life. It added like 20, 30 pounds. It was unbelievable. Not only did it change my life, but I guarantee you, wait, today, about 500 people are going to hear about birthday cake ice cream. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to go to Publix or they're going to go to Kilwins. They're going to get some birthday cake ice cream. And bam, game changer. It's going to impact some people. And see, this guy, just like me, he took this Jesus at his word. I took this guy named JP at his word, and I got some birthday cake ice cream, and it changed everything. This guy took Jesus at his word, and he started telling other people, and it changed everything. In fact, if you were to look at verse 20 in, in Mark 5, it says, So the man went away and began to tell in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. They heard his story, and they were blown away. They're like, oh my gosh, man, this was the guy who was like this, and now he's like this. Can you believe what has happened in his life? And when they see and they hear the stories, they're blown away. When they hear the story about how God broke the addiction in your life, man, they see that and they are amazed. When they hear the story about how God restored your relationship, they see that and they are amazed. When they hear about how you have freedom financially, they see that and they are amazed. When they hear that you've dealt with your daddy issues because of Jesus. They see that and they are amazed. When you start forgiving people that have hurt you, they see that and they are amazed. And so Jesus and his crew, they get up and leave. And this God, he just goes out and he tells people. And then in Mark chapter 6, they, they arrive back on the scene on this side. And it says when they had crossed over, they landed at Gane some G word. And anchored there. I don't do well at, at pronouncing all those things, okay? Just, just bear with me. They anchored there. I love that. They said, man, we're, we're here to proclaim. We're going we're gonna to dig down deep and anchor on this thing. And let me just tell you something. At Coastal Community Church, man, we're going to anchor on the fact that found people, find people. We're always going to be about how do we reach one more person for Jesus? Like we'll do whatever it takes to reach one more person. We'll do anything short of sin to reach somebody. And 90% of the time I will sin if it will help them and Shayla doesn't hear about it. It says in verse 54, and as soon as they got out of the boat, the people recognized Jesus they ran throughout that whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was and wherever he went into the villages, the towns, the countryside. They placed the sick in the marketplace. They begged him to let them touch even the cloak. And all who touched it were healed. Now, how in the world did they even know about Jesus? One man. See, the Decapolis was where that guy went to. It was 10 city region. And, and all these people heard and knew about Jesus. So when Jesus shows up on the screen, they had never seen him. They had never heard him, but they had heard about him. They all showed up, and they came expecting God to do something. And if, Mark, if, and if God can do that in one man, what can he do in us? What can he do through us? Again, next chapter of Mark. It goes back to that whole idea of the Decapolis, those 10 cities in Mark 7, 31 through 32. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and Sidon and down through the Sea of Galilee into the region of the Decapolis. And there some people brought him a man who was deaf and who could hardly speak. And they begged Jesus to place his hand on them. 
More people in more cities heard about Jesus. How? One man. One man. What does that show? It shows this. That every single one of us, that you can make a huge difference. You can make a huge difference. You can make a huge difference in reaching people for Jesus. And see, we have this huge myth in our society that one person can't make a difference. And we buy into this lie all the time. And let me just tell you, it's a flat-out lie. And it's, it's, so, it, it's crappy that we buy into it because let me tell you, there are some people that believe that they can make a difference. In fact, let me show you a couple. Um, this right up here, this is Christina. Christina started coming to our church in the first year of our church, and uh, she was on fire for God, and she invited her friend Jessica to church. And Jessica uh, had fallen away from God, hadn't been in church in quite a few years, and she invited Jessica to church. And Jessica came to church, and she didn't find a whole bunch of rules or religion. What she found was a relationship with God. And Jessica radically turned her life around. Jessica now mentors probably 20 or 30 girls within our church, raising them up to be the women that God has called them to be. Incredible things. All because Christina believed that one person could make a difference. She believed that one person could make a difference. Here's another one. Here's uh, Julie. This is Julie. Julie started coming to our Pompano campus maybe about four months ago. She started bringing her family. Some of her kids started to get saved. Her daughter started getting transformed by Jesus. And eventually, her son, Kenny, who was in the military, just got out of the military, and he came home. And he was, man, he was lost. He was far from God. In fact, four weeks ago, he walked into church for the very first time in his entire life. And he gave his life to Jesus. Two weeks later, he's out of the beach getting water baptized. Last week, he walks into church, and this is what he tells my wife, Shayla. He says, Shayla, listen, I, I want you to know that I've been searching for something my entire life. I've searched for it in the military. I've searched for it in, in a relationship that failed. I've searched for it at home. And I've been searching for this thing called family and community all my life, and I finally found it here. See, Julie, even though that's that's. That's his mom. She believed that one person could make a difference. Here's another one. This is, this is Susie. Uh, Susie is now our youth pastor, but Susie walked into our church four years ago, uh, kind of fed up with God, fed up with church, and, and she started experiencing true relationship. And, and Susie got fired up for God. If you've ever been around Susie, you'll know right there, she's like a girl on crack cocaine, but it's just caffeine, I promise. And, and, and she's... And she is fired up about Jesus. Well, Susie started telling all of her friends, and she eventually told her friend Caitlin. Uh, and Caitlin came to church. Caitlin gave her life to Jesus, radically transformed her life, started telling all of her friends about Jesus. Eventually, this guy named Josh shows up to church. And uh, he, it was actually because she was posting about a series called Grow a Pair that we were doing. And this guy was thought, like, that's funny. I just want to go see what that's about. And he showed up, gave his life to Jesus because he finally grew a pair and became a man and followed Jesus, because that's what real men do. And then, uh, and he started talking to everybody. And so eventually, uh, right here, this is Tony. Tony came about two months later. Tony gave her life to Jesus, now serves on her first impression team. Like, we can't get Tony away from church. Like, we would like her to leave every once in a while, but she's there all the time, because Jesus is doing something radical in her life. Because one person, one person decided, like, I believe that I can make a difference. One person believed that they can make a difference. And every single week at our church, there's not a week that has gone by since we started this church that somebody has not given their life to Christ. 
And this is what I know is that, and we celebrate all the numbers of that. We're like, we're excited that like over a thousand people in our almost six year history have given their lives to Jesus. But this is the thing. Every single one of those numbers has a name. And every single one of those names has a story. And every single one of those stories matters to God. And this is what I know is that you have a story. And there are people in your life that need to hear your story. They don't need to hear about rules. They don't need to hear about religion. They don't need to hear a whole bunch of Bible verses. What they need to hear is how God transformed your life. And see, while I was talking there, this is what I know is that probably every single one of us, there was a name that was popping in our head. There's somebody that we know that needs to hear about Jesus. They need to hear the story that God has birthed in our life because of him. And they need to hear the life-giving message. And it's time for us to stop being silent and realize that we can make a huge difference. And so my question is, is, is who is that person and why aren't you inviting them next week? Shoot, why didn't you invite them this week? You still got time. There's a service here at 1115. Like there's an opportunity here. And I want to go back to that Mark 5, 19 verse because I think it's so powerful. Jesus did not let him, and I love that because a lot of times we think, man, I just want to stay in the comforts of just hanging out with Jesus. And Jesus is saying, no. He's saying, go. Get outside of your comfort, comfort zone. Go home to your people. See, there are people that are your people. They're not my people. They're your people. They're your friends. They're your family. They're your co-worker. They're your bagger at Publix. They're your gardener. They're your housekeeper. They're your uh, business partner. They're yours. And tell them. Tell them. That's what he's telling us. He's saying, listen, it's time for us to not go to church, but be the church. Because we're the church. Churches and buildings, the churches and services, the church is people. He said, man, if you'll go out there and you'll tell your story, man, it'll be for his glory. And this isn't in your notes, but in Romans 5, 6, I love what it says. It says, you see, at just the right time, when we are still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Just the right time. See, your story, for people when they hear it, it's just the right time. It's time for us to not be silent. It's time for us to recognize that, man, we've been found by the good shepherd. And the good shepherd came and he went looking for us. Listen, you never found God because God was never lost. He came looking for you. And he came looking for you through someone else. And God is looking for your friend. He's looking for your family member. He's looking for the people that are in your life. And the way he's going to show them that is through you. Let's be a church that lives out. Man, if we've been found, we're going to go out and we're going to find people. Because we're going to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, so they can know, and so they can follow Jesus all the days of their lives. Let's pray. God, we just come before you. And I just pray right now that you're, that is, we're standing in here, God, that people have, people that are coming to their minds right now that 
that you've been putting on their heart, that you've been putting on their mind for a long time, that there's somebody that needs to hear. God, and I pray that this week we wouldn't let what's, what's comfortable keep us from what's possible. But God, that we would go through whatever obstacle, we'd go through whatever internal mind battle that there is, God, to step outside of our comfort zones. And we would invest in that relationship. And we would share our story. And we would invite them, God, into a relationship with you, God, or invite them to church. And I promise that we will set it up and we'll create an environment where people can come in. God, I pray that you would give us supernatural boldness to get beyond ourselves, to get beyond what is easy and comfortable, to do what is possible that you have equipped us already for because you've given us our story. God, give us boldness, give us confidence, give us the wisdom to move forward and to share your message with others. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen.